thank you to Richard for uh, leading us so far. By the time I'm finished, Richard, you'll only have a couple of bits to do, and it's, it's done, uh, and well done. Thank you for that. And when I was speaking a little bit earlier, I thought my voice, my voice sounded a wee bit croaky. Um, I must be, uh, I was saying to the, the musicians before, uh, I don't think I'm match fit yet after having too long of a period off in the summer. Uh, it seems like the voice is a muscle as well, uh, and mine just needs a wee bit of work. So forgive me if I sound a bit croaky. I'm in good health, uh, nothing to worry about. Um, let's pray before we come to look at God's word here. Father God, we've just said that we want to give you all of our worship and to give you all of our praise. Lord, we want to give attention to you and to what you say to us in your word. So help us to do that just now. And as we pay attention, we pray that we would hear you and that by your spirit you'd move to impress these things on us and give us a will to take them to heart and obey them. Help us to hear you and do what you want us to do. Amen. Folks, it would be good if you had those two passages open before you, the uh, Matthew chapter 4 and Matthew 28. We'll spend just a few minutes in each of them uh, and we'll come to that in a moment. As we said last week, it's nearly 10 years since I first came to be the minister in Kirkpatrick Memorial. And if you've been around for most of that time or even part of that time, you'll know that I'm always uh, going on. It's, it's not many weeks past before I'm challenging uh, you and myself about following Jesus Christ. Uh, that my absolute passion is to call people to follow Jesus and to see them grow in him. Well, that's what I've been doing for 10 years. And now I've finished my 10 years. I've had a sabbatical and I'm going to keep going uh, with the same thing, if that's all right with you. Um, I want to assure you that, that my vision hasn't changed. That calling each person here to know and to love Jesus and to grow and grow and grow in him it is all that I'm uh, finding myself interested in doing. There's a danger with that though, isn't there? When we talk about following Jesus or discipleship and when we do it for an extended period of time, there's a danger that the language becomes a little bit jaded and we're not uh, quite as clear about what all of that means as we might be. So I thought uh, this autumn I'd take three weeks in early September to try and recast uh, that vision. I'm going to use a phrase that I came across in one of the books that I read during my sabbatical this summer. The book's called Imagine Church. And the phrase describes a Christian as a whole life missional disciple. Whole life as in a person who worships God not just on Sundays in church, but Monday to Saturday and wherever else. Uh, they find themselves. Missional in that we've, we've found the, the purpose for our lives and we've found that it's aligned with God's purpose which is to call the whole world to, to love his son Jesus. So whole life, missional and disciples. Well I thought that's where it started today. Just very simply 
with a, 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 re, a, a recommitment to, to following Jesus. We're going to look at those two passages and we're going to notice two things. Um, seems pretty simple and straightforward to me. The two things we're going to notice is that Jesus wants disciples and the second thing is that he wants his disciples to make disciples. We're going to finish by thinking about how Kirkpatrick Memorial is developing to become more and more a community that allows us to obey Jesus. If you've ever really met Jesus Christ, there's only one right response. There's no variety of responses available. The only right response is to follow him and to enroll as his disciple. The gospel makes it clear, the gospel accounts, that Jesus didn't want admirers or fans. In fact, he was quite hard on people who wanted to come close and have a look, but who wouldn't finally commit themselves to him. He wanted followers, apprentices, people who'd come to him and who'd learn from him a whole new way of living. Let's look quickly at the account there in Matthew 4. Jesus approaches Simon Peter, or sorry, Simon and his brother Andrew as they're fishing on the shores of Lake Galilee. And he says in verse 19, come and follow me. And Matthew tells us that they did. They just, at once they left their nets and they followed him. And then, just as you go along, a few verses Later, we read that the same thing happened further along the shore. He calls another two brothers, James and John. They hear his invitation. They drop their nets and they follow him. And of course, if you know how the story develops, you'll know that eventually Jesus called a group of 12. Their purpose was to be with Jesus and to learn from him. Wherever he went, they went. They heard every word that he said. They saw everything that he ever did. They were learning from Jesus how to be like Jesus. Tell me this at the start of another church here. Are you a disciple yet? Have you dropped everything, turned around and reoriented your life So that living under Jesus' authority and for him is what you're all about. That's the call. That's what's going on here. Look at verse 17. Jesus called the people of his day to repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. What does that mean? Well, the word repent, as, as you may already know, and certainly if you've been around here, you've probably heard me say it. Repent doesn't mean to be sorry about anything. It means to turn around. When Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is near, he's saying something like this. He's saying, I'm God's king and I'm here. So now repent, turn around from all other allegiances and give your allegiance to me. So I ask you again, have you done that? Have you turned around? 
Have you made following Jesus Christ the new direction of your life? That and nothing less is what Jesus demands. That's what it means to be his disciple. By the way, just before we move on, last week we introduced the, the breakfast club guys, so the guys who are in fourth year in school, so 14 or 15 years old, who are coming to be part of a church community. I want to stress that everything that I'm talking about here is for everybody who's here. There's no age limit. You don't have to wait till you're a certain age before you can decisively respond to Jesus Christ. These four fishermen, it might help you to know that they're probably teenagers. They're young guys working with their dad. And Jesus Christ comes along and he invites them to change their lives. They're 14, maybe they're 16 or 18, but these aren't old men. And he calls them and he says, follow me. And they do. So nobody here is too young or too old to respond to the call of Jesus. So that first passage, um, it tells us about the, the first time that these four disciples encountered Jesus. And it's very clear from the passage that Jesus wanted disciples. It's interesting then that our second passage which tells about the last time that they were in the company of Jesus, tells that Jesus wants his disciples to make disciples. So flick over to page 1001, Matthew chapter 28. Look at what Jesus says here in verses 18 and 19. He says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. This is the risen Jesus Christ. Just a few weeks earlier, he had been crucified on a Roman cross in Jerusalem. He had risen from the dead. He had spent 40 days uh, appearing to his disciples. And here he is. This is his parting shot. This is important to understand just how fundamental this is. This is the last thing that Jesus says to his disciples. What he says in this conversation will be left ringing in their ears till they die. It'll be left ringing in the ears of the church for all eternity. And what is it he says? Make disciples. First of all, he called them to be disciples themselves. And now he's saying, you go and make disciples. And of course, that then makes sense of everything that follows in, in the biblical account. It makes sense of the book of Acts when they just go and, and do all that they possibly can with God's Spirit working through them to, to reach people and draw them into the, the community of Jesus' followers. Peter preaches in Jerusalem shortly after this. 3,000 people are, are converted and become Jesus' followers that day. Before long, it's spreading through the whole region of Judea. Then, as you know, Paul 
takes up the, the baton and brings the, the life of Jesus to the whole of the Roman Empire. Jesus' disciples making disciples. So tell me this, if you're a disciple of Jesus Christ, are you making disciples? Are you trying to? Are you praying for your family and your friends that they'll come to know Jesus? Are you making plans for how you're going to help your neighbors and your colleagues learn more about who Jesus is and encounter him? We should be. Every one of us who's in Christ, he wants his disciples to make disciples. So we've seen a couple of things here today. That Jesus wants disciples and he wants his disciples to make disciples. I want to spend the rest of our time today just thinking for a few moments about how our church is trying to position itself, to prepare itself for doing exactly what we've just been thinking about here. As you'll probably know, we have a, a network of what we call discipleship groups here in Kirkpatrick Memorial. And throughout the last 10 years, nearly 200 people over time have found their way into those groups. They join together, they meet for Bible study and prayer and to encourage each other in their lives with Jesus. Over the last 12 months, the, the Kirk session here, the leadership has been thinking about how uh, God is, is challenging us to be even more purposeful about how we do that work of encouraging each other as disciples and then reaching out so that others might become disciples too. If you've been around the church during these last months, you'll know that, that what we're planning to do is to reconfigure our existing discipleship groups to help us to do this, this crucial work better than we've been doing it up until now. I used a diagram a couple of times, once in a consultation with our small groups, but also once in a series that we talked before the summer to try and help you see what it is that we're envisaging and what we have in mind. So I showed, uh, just lifted a slide from a sermon that we preached here in May. So I hope this will be familiar to you. Um, Lisa, if we pop that up just now. This is the way we want to restructure our church life roundabout now. We imagined a, a model where people were meeting together in small discipling communities. Each group would first of all look out for each other, then they would look out for other members of our congregation, that's the second circle there, and third they would reach out beyond entirely into the parish to reach other people in whatever ways they can. Let me quickly uh, talk about those three rings. First of all, that center circle. We'd love our discipleship groups to be a place where we're more and more learning to, to build each other up as followers of Jesus. And that's all about building on whatever we were already doing. Studying the Bible together, praying for each other, Caring for one another. There's a bit of a shift that we're looking for here where the responsibility to care for each other is more and more on every member rather than maybe just the elder caring for the group. 
Serving one another is something we're going to talk about more. So again, rather than the group being facilitated mostly by one leader, we're going to try and ensure that everybody has a role and plays their part in the healthy life of this group. So one person might be hosting the group, another person might be leading a Bible study, another person might be gathering prayer points, another person might be thinking about the pastoral care of the group. So we want to see every member uh, responsibly involved in each group. And we want to free up a little bit more time for people to share life in these groups. We're going to try and move beyond Wednesday nights, uh, which the groups have traditionally been. Uh, we're going to encourage groups to meet once a month on a Sunday for either lunch or dinner. And to facilitate that, we're, we're going to have a Sunday where there's no evening service. Once we finish in the morning, we're done. Um, and we're going to encourage groups to, to be together more often in other ways. So whether that means going for a, a, a weekend residential together, going to the movies for a night, going for a walk in a forest park, just whatever God leads and guides you to do. So we want, our, we want to allow our groups to, to be building each other up, those members of those groups. In the middle circle, we'd love to see our discipleship groups being a real blessing to the rest of our congregation. So the groups aren't to be in isolation. They're supposed to play their part in the wider church. They'll be praying for what's going on in the church. They'll be offering care to a few members of our church who aren't in their discipleship group. I think this is really important. That as Christian people, we learn to reach out to others and love them in Christ's name. That we don't leave that to the people who are paid to do it, like the likes of Edna and I and others in the staff team. But that ordinary everyday members are having a chance to, to love other people in Jesus' name. And our desire is that over time, more and more people will move from that middle circle into the center one. That they'll discover, do you know what? I was once happy coming along to church, but now I want to be part of a community that's building me up in Jesus. These groups, we hope, will also do some practical work around the church, so we're envisaging things like whenever there's the twice a year, the church cleanup, it'll be these groups who will come and do it. Um, and whenever we're organizing events in the center of the church, it could easily be these groups who would help deliver them. Just the, quickly then, the last circle, the outer circle. If we're going to be disciples who make disciples, then we're going to have to learn to, to reach out beyond our church membership. We're going to learn to connect with our parish and beyond. So we want to, to learn to pray for the people who live in the street where these streets that surround the church. Many of you have been involved in the delivery of our parish newsletter. We're going to restart that soon. And once the groups are established, that will give us a chance to go and meet people in the neighborhoods where we are and to invite them along to events here in the church. 
But we want more than that. We don't want to be inviting people to church all the time. We want to be reaching out to them. So, I think I talked about this in, in the series we preached in, in May time. So whenever you discover that there's a single mother living in your street, but you know you're not the right person to connect with a single mother, you go to your discipleship group and you talk there about that. And together, you find a way for helping the single mother. Or if there's an elderly widower in your street, and again, it mightn't be easy for you to connect, you bring that to your group and you talk and you pray about that, and you work together to bless that person in Jesus' name. And who knows where, where this might take us. I'd love to see a time when there's a, a network of Kirkpatrick communities around the church here, around Ballyhackamore, and they're throwing street parties and inviting the neighborhood to come and to be blessed simply because we're God's people and we long to see them blessed. To allow us to experience what the kind of church that we are talking about here, we've had to make a couple of significant changes, and they're to do with time and place. The, the change to do with how we use time, if we're going to increase the role of these network of discipleship groups, then we need to free up some time from, from the rest of church life, if you like, from the center, to allow people to spend time in their groups. Last year, You'll have noticed this adjustment if you're a, a longer-term member. Last year we said that there'd be one Sunday evening per month when there's no evening service. Because we wanted elders to be together praying and learning so that they can lead these communities better. This year, beginning in October, we're going to drop a second evening service per month. And that's to free up what we're going to call a Life Together Sunday where discipleship groups go and enjoy the rest of the afternoon or evening doing whatever they feel they want to do. So that's two Sundays a month where there's no evening service and the rest of that day is available for us to be together and to encourage one another in Jesus. Two significant changes. That one to do with time but there's a second change to do with place. We want to move to a model of discipleship groups where they're geographically uh, located and centered. We want you to be in a group that's based on where you live. And we appreciate that this step might be uncomfortable, but in the short, in the short term, but we, we're convinced that the long-term gains here are, are just going to be wonderful. We want to enable those who are in their discipleship groups to share life with the people who live around them and to reach out to their neighbours who live around them. So if two people live in Eastleigh Crescent, right beside the church here, in our current model one of them could be in one discipleship group and one could be in another. It's not, not great for sharing life and reaching that neighbourhood. If two families live in Orangefield, we want them to, to be linked together, encouraging each other and working together. So that's what, what's going on 
in our groups just now. These changes are happening this week. Okay, that's why I'm talking about this this morning. Um, Tomorrow night the elders are going to meet and they're going to sign off on newly configured groups. And then they're going to be in touch with you shortly after that to let you know that, that you're in their group. During this week, all people who are existing members of a discipleship group will be contacted by their elder and they'll be invited to a first meeting uh, which will be on the following week. So Wednesday the 18th is the date we've suggested. Folks, can I encourage you to join in from the word go. I don't know what you're thinking about this. Some people have told me they think it's great and other people have told me they don't think it's great. I don't know what you think. But I'd encourage you to go uh, and to join in and to play your part in this discipling, disciple-making community. If you're not in a discipleship group yet, I don't often get to say this, but this is the right moment to join. Probably since we started over nine years ago, there hasn't been quite as timely a moment to cross the line and say, right, I'm in. I'm going to be part of this. It's for anyone who wants to be part of a community that's trying to follow Jesus. It doesn't matter what age you are. If you're 16 or over, I think it would make sense. So anywhere between 16 and 96, I think we can cover that kind of an age range. Um, You'd fit very well. If you do decide to join, what happens is you'll come to an introductory group that we'll meet in, in our home with Claire and I. We'll spend a wee bit of time with you, teaching you um, more about what, what we have on our hearts for these groups. And then in January time, you'll go and you'll join the group most appropriate to you based on where you live. I'm almost done, and you're glad to hear that. Let me say a couple more things in closing. This is a big week in the life of our church. We're asking some people who've been in groups for up to nine years to move out of those groups and to join in a new group. It's going to feel uncomfortable and it's very possible that we'll be left wondering, what's the point of all this? Is this worth it? First of all, about the uncomfortable thing. When we're asked to be in the new group, it might end up feeling a bit worse than the group you were in. It might feel like an uncomfortable size or fit. I have an image in my head that's really helped me as I've thought about this. Cast your mind back to the Septembers of your childhood and your youth. And being sent out to school in your new uniform. Remember your sweater and your blazer. They were hard and they were scratchy. And the arms of them hung down to your knees. Because your mum had bought them for two years time. When you were going to fit. That's where you're going with this. You're getting a new sweater and a new blazer. That's going to feel uncomfortable and doesn't quite fit. But one day it will. And we're preparing ourselves for that moment. 
We want to take a step now that prepares us for where we're going. Not to keep squeezing ourselves into something that we've outgrown just because we know it. One last thing. If you're wondering about the point of this, so let, let me tell you quickly about a, a vision or a dream that God, God's given me in recent months. It's not, not a weird vision or dream, don't worry. Okay. But it's amazing. I dream of a time when God is going to be able to reach into the lives of every person in Ballyhackamore through a member of Kirkpatrick Memorial. Now you're thinking that's nuts. Even in our parish, there are 3,000 homes in our parish. That would be nuts if there was 10 of us. Because that means each one of us would have to connect with 300 households. Nobody's going to do that. That's not going to work. But what if there's 100 of us? That would mean 30 households each. Or what if, as is the case right now, there's round about 200 of us? 15 households each. And what if, by God's grace, we continued to slowly grow as we have done in recent years? 10 households each? With a bunch of friends who have been praying with you for months and for years that God would use us? Trying to reach every household in Kirkpatrick Memorial for God's glory. That's why we're doing this. That's why we think it's worth it. Let's pray. Father God, we just spent some time in your word and noticed how Jesus called people to follow him. Not to be interested in him and what he taught. Not to be admirers or fans. But to give their lives. To apprentice themselves to him. To become more like him. And to reach the world for him. Lord, unless we're willing to say that the call of Jesus doesn't interest us. unless we're willing to say that we don't really care what Jesus wants, then this call is for us. Lord, we pray that you'd help us to hear it. We pray that whoever we are, whether we've started following Jesus already or whether we haven't, that following him, making him Lord of our lives, would become everything to us. And Lord, we pray you'd help us too with how we do that as a church. With these decisions we've made, these steps that we're taking, Lord, just help us. Give us courage. Give us grace with each other. But above all, keep us in your ways. Lord, we pray that in a year's time, 
we would be a community of more disciples and that we'd be much better placed to make disciples than we are even today. Come and do that work through us, we pray. Amen.